Hello and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Healers. For those who are new, welcome to the show. My name is Morgan. And for returners, thanks again for being here, subscribing, and following along. It's good to have you back. Since starting this podcast, I was kind of going through all of my episodes and I realized I didn't have any guests yet who had experience who still struggle or maybe have struggled in the past with substance use. So for the guest today, I wanted to bring on someone with this sort of history and offer a chance for him to share his story, how he got started, his experiences, and just some of the stigmas surrounding addiction as we know it. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Caleb Newman. Hi, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast here. Yeah, thanks for joining. Why don't you start off telling us a little about yourself? Well, my name is Caleb Newman. Um, I am 21 years old and I am a drug addict in recovery. Um, I've been clean uh, from drugs and alcohol for uh, about a year and three months this month. Um, so whatever, it's in February. February 14th is my clean date. Or sorry, no, November 14th is my clean date. 14th this month will be three months, right? Anyway, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, well, congratulations on your date. Thank you. <laughs> it took a lot to get there, but I'm here now, which is all that matters. So I guess let's start off talking a little about what brings you on the show, what your interests of being on the show were. Yeah, you know, so... I had, um, obviously I know your sister and that's how I got first introduced to the show. And, um, you know, it kind of spoke deeply to me a little bit because as an addict myself, I was listening to this show, like, man, if I was still in active addiction, I would be listening to these crazy people on here with all these crazy titles, master's degrees, doctors, therapists, and I wouldn't get a single thing out of it, you know? And um, that is originally what got me thinking about, you know, hey, I, I've, I've done a lot and I've, it's taken a lot to get to where I'm at today. I beat the odds of, <laughs> of addiction and I'm still alive. Um, and I've felt called in the last, you know, probably year or so of my recovery um, to help other addicts where I wasn't helped, if that makes sense. So, you know, yeah, like I said, I was listening to your podcast, like to all these, you know, crazy holistic healer people <laughs> and just was thinking to myself, like, yeah, there is no way as an addict, I'd be sitting here taking any information from these people because they're, they're on like a whole different level, right? They're, they're the, the successful people in the society they're the the people that have made it right the people that you know just have it they they have what i don't have right and so it's it's hard to relate to people like that so the goal you know today is to kind of sh well one share my story with um the people i know uh because you know it's I was pretty deep into drug addiction um, for many years, and it's time to express that to people I know, but also in the process help, you know, other addicts just like me. Well, like I said, thanks for being on the show and 
sharing your story I have definitely heard that rhetoric before like especially with substance use clinicians or counselors that Mm -hmm. um, their clients don't want anyone to work with them unless they have that experience with substance use themselves right Um, so it's very common but I think you're totally right especially people that gone off gotten their degrees maybe have all the money in the world but how can they actually relate that well the fact of the matter is they can't yeah. Right. You, you, if you've never been where an addict has been, you just simply can't relate. You know, there's there's the the horror stories of addiction are something that you can't portray in, you know, movies or TV shows or, you know, you name it, um, because the, it's just nothing like it. And for somebody to tell me as an addict, like, oh, you need to get help or or you need to do this and you need to do that to yourself. Well, no, I don't. Like, you don't understand where I'm at. You don't know why I'm doing this. You don't know how hard it is to to get myself out of this situation. Um, and, you know, yeah, you might have great tips and knowledge and all the studies in the world. But at the end of the day, you have no idea what I'm going through. So how can you sit there and tell me what to do to get better? Which again, just kind of goes to the, what, why I'm here right now is because I can sit there with an addict and say, listen, man, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly how you feel. And I can tell you there's another side and this is how I did it. Um, Which is, it gets me like fired up talking about Mm -hmm. it because it's so, it's such an incredible part of my journey um, you know, the things that I've done and the people I've been around um, to say that I'm here, you know, clean and sober and alive, right? Because there was a point in time where not only did I not want to be alive, but I didn't think I was going to stay alive, right? I've, I never thought I'd make it through my 21st birthday without taking a drink. But here I am, made it through my 21st birthday with, you know, not a, not a, even a thought about it. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear kind of how you got to this point, but let's start with the story, if you don't mind. Like, where did yeah. it all begin? What were your substances <laughs> that, that you use? Let's just get into it. Yeah. Well, you know, I what brought me to my knees um, was specifically cocaine and crack cocaine. Um, that's what was the end all for me, right? The the place that uh, the place of no return basically. So I was first introduced to cocaine when I was, uh, it was my 17th birthday, believe it or not. Um, I had a few friends of mine in high school. I was just getting out of uh, military school and I, you know, didn't really have any cares in the world and nothing to kind of um, really like look forward to or live for. So you know, me as a stupid high school kid was like, oh, yeah, you know, I like I'm kind of scared, but whatever, I'll do a line with you. And um, on my 17th birthday, this random kid had like a half a gram of cocaine with him. And I did my first line. And at that moment, I was instantly hooked instantly. Right. I This was the I mean, and I'll, I'll get into this later, but, you know, the feeling I got at that moment was this is exactly what I've been looking for my entire life. Where has this been my whole life? I, I couldn't, I, to this day, there's no other feeling than the first high to this day. And um, 
that's honestly, and I'll get into that later. That's the insanity of addiction, right? You, you constantly try to get back to that first high that you had. So, you know, I had this, you know, wonderful, fantastic time with cocaine and partying on that birthday. Um, and then I ended up going off to college. Uh, I went to CSU and at CSU, I was in the ROTC program, believe it or not. Um, I had a full ride scholarship there. Um, you know, I had, I had my life planned out in quotations, but in the back of my head, like at any point in time, if anybody had ever offered me, you know, any sort of substance, there was no way I could say no, because I would just always go back to that first high. Like, holy shit, <laughs> that is the, that is exactly what I was missing. Um, so, you know, I would use here and there maybe once a week during my first semester of college. Um, and then COVID hit while I was still in college. And unfortunately, I had to go back to um, Durango, which is where I now live. And um, at that point in time, all, all like all hell broke loose for me and my addiction because I didn't have a job. I didn't have um, I wasn't going to school and I really had no other responsibility and no direction or sense of purpose in my life. I, I at the time that I came back from CSU, I decided um, that, you know, I didn't want to be in the military. Um, I wasn't going to proceed with the ROTC program anymore. Um, and instantly in my brain, I was like, oh, shit, I don't have to take drug tests. This is great. Right. <laughs> I don't ever have to worry about that in the back of my head. So I ended up getting a job at Dalton Ranch Golf Course, and I met my first dealer at the golf course. And this is like that summer um, after COVID hit, which was, let's see, summer of 2019. Um, or just kind of like, you know, March of 2019 through, um, end of that summer, I was introduced to my first real kind of plug, you know, my first dealer, the first person that I could like call and be like, Hey, do you got some cocaine? I want some right now. And he's like, yeah, come on over. I can get it. And, um, instantly that turned from, you know, maybe doing cocaine once or twice a week to doing it at least once a day right and um at that point you know i i really didn't care about anything at all it was it was the routine of getting up finding money you know getting to my dealer's house to figure out how i'm not gonna um like lose my supply for the rest of the day with the amount of money that i had um get it all, tell myself I'm not going to use it till the end of the day. Then, you know, two minutes goes by and I'm like, uh, you know, one bump won't hurt. And um, using it all. And then by the end of my work shift or um, the end of the day, I'd be going back to my dealer's house and saying, listen, man, like this is, I need more. Um, so this, that kind of pattern of addiction lasted from, April of 2019 through the end of the golf season, which was about October 2019, um, November-ish. And at that point in my life, I was already really struggling with, you know, everything that comes along with being addicted to drugs, right? I, I 
lost an incredible incredible amount of weight. I had really no will to live. I had nothing going for me. I was just kind of making by living at my parents' house, believe it or not, um, and just not really caring. I, I didn't, to, you know, to put it into the words that I felt at that time, like, I didn't give a fuck, man. I, I didn't care. And at that point, I realized, like, okay, I got to do something about this. I, I can't, I, I can't continue to live the way I have. So my solution at that time was, okay, I, I'm like, I am going to leave the golf course for a bit, get away from my dealer and start working another job and just kind of run away from it. So thankfully, you know, I, I ended up getting a job at Purgatory, um, which is like, you know, the ski resort here in Durango. And I, I'm a big skier, skied most of my life. And um, that temporarily separated me from my dealer and from kind of the world of addiction as I knew it at that point in time. Um, and mind you, during this whole story, I didn't get clean until November of 2021. So you know, the winter goes by, I start getting back into shape a little bit, you know, wasn't really using, didn't completely not use, but it wasn't like the complete cycle of insanity that I'd lived through the previous year. And I got to the end of that winter in um, the beginning of, let's see, the beginning of 20, no, sorry, I've been saying the date wrong this whole time. That was the whole summer of 2020. And then going into 2021, which was my last year at the golf course. So getting out of that winter, I, I decided to get a, like go back to the golf course to where this all started, basically. And I mean, it was almost like days after I started that job again that summer when I realized, oh, man, I know my dealer and I know where to get it. And I need to continue getting it because that, you know, subconsciously you're thinking, I can get that high again. I can get exactly what I've been after, you know, these last few years. Um, and that was, that turned into a lot worse than it was the year before, because even though I'd kind of taken this little bit of hiatus from using powdered cocaine, you know, snorting it, um, ingesting like putting it in my lips you know doing everything as as a basically a party drug it wasn't giving me the high that i needed i had to continue using more and more and more to get some sort of high and to kind of run away from the come down and that's honestly where i dabbled with crack cocaine um was over the summer of 2021 um because as soon as somebody showed me how to make it and to, um, you know, how to use it, basically, that was like a little bit more of a high than powdered cocaine. And um, it was, it was intense, you know, it was intense for a few minutes, and even more intense of a come down. So the only solution in my mind was, you know, I got to use more, I got to use more to run away from this thing that i you know, the come down. And this went on for a few months um, until September of 2021. Um, it was the worst it had ever been. 
you know, I, I could, I was getting maybe an hour of sleep a night, you know, constantly using, constantly tweaking out constantly. You know, the only thing on my mind was I have to get high. I have to, because if I don't, I can't live. And, um, in September, you know, of 2021, I remember laying in my bed, you know, cracked out of my mind and had just, you know, gone through my second bag of, of cocaine. It was like two o'clock in the morning. And I remember thinking to myself like there, I'm not waking up tomorrow. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I was overdosing. Um, when I look back at it now, I ended up writing a note for, um, whoever found me the next morning and in the note, it said, you know, this is, this isn't a suicide note. Um, this is an apology letter for anybody who, who finds me, you know, I'm sorry. I couldn't get the help I needed. I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize this was a problem, um, until now. And I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Basically, you know, I, it was, it, that was one of, like the lowest point in my addiction. Um, hands down. But the crazy part is I somehow got some sleep, somehow woke up the next morning. And the only thing I could think about was going to my dealer, getting more drugs, getting high again, because that is the insanity of addiction. You can't get out of it as much as you want to, as much as you think you feel like you should. I can't, uh, there's, I don't see any way out. Um, so again, you know, just stringing along, um, at that time I was like six, five, oh, I am six, five now, but, um, I'm six, five. And I was like 140 pounds. I could see every bone in my body. I, you know, was constantly tweaking and it was, it was horrible. Um, and, uh, so thankfully, you know, I, I met one person in particular that was completely sober at that time. And I kind of gravitated towards this person like I never had before. Because how does that person go through life without using drugs? Like that, and that's, that's what you think, you know, right? As, as an addict and in active addiction, you think like there's no way nobody else uses drugs, right? Or there's, I don't know if that made sense. Like there's no way that everybody else in this world gets through their day without drugs because that's all like, you're just completely wrapped in this idea of getting up, getting high, finding means and ways to get more constantly. Um, and I ended up going on a trip with this person. I had ran out of money, the will to live drugs, everything. And I went on a trip to New Mexico and I was there for um, five days. And that was the first time. This was the end of October 2021. First time in, since that past winter that I had been separated from my life and from what I knew as my addiction. Um, and it was, it was horrible because I had no means to run. I, I had no way to run away from the um the come down you know i had no way to run away from myself and all my thoughts and the realization of 
holy shit, Caleb, you are a drug addict. You know, you are, this is insane. What are you doing? You know, you, you went from being this 17 year old innocent kid that had plans that wanted to be a pilot in the air force, you know, had a 4.0 GPA that had a 1500 SAT score that had everything in the palm of his hands to now sitting on a bed in Carlsbad, New Mexico, tweaking out because I couldn't get drugs. How did that, it all just kind of came crashing down on that weekend because that was the first time really since the kind of pinnacle of my addiction that I had a moment of a tiny bit of clarity. And clarity for the listeners out there that are drug addicts that have been there, you know, clarity as an addict in active addiction is one of the scariest things you can have because because the entire time you're using drugs you're running away from the idea that oh, i'm not a drug addict i can stop anytime you know i'm not i'm not the type of person that is going to live out on the streets and shoot up and you know smoke meth i'm not that kind of guy and you're running away from that idea this whole time um so I was traveling back, still just withdrawing so bad. I mean, shakes, cold sweats, throwing up the whole nine yards. And I was getting back into Durango, and I consequently had two texts come to me at the same, pretty much the same time, within like two minutes of each other. One was from my therapist that I'd been lying to and seeing kind of off and on over the last three years of that point in time. And I had one from my drug dealer. Saying, hey, man, I know you're coming back. You want to come back over today? Something along those lines. And I had a choice right then and there. Like I, I actually had a therapy session scheduled at that time. Um, I was either going to go to my therapist and tell her, you know, kind of everything, or I was going to go use. And for some reason, I mean, I still to this day, can't look back. I mean, I really can't explain why or how, but I said, basically, fuck you to my drug dealer. I am, I am in the worst condition that I've ever been in, and I don't want to go back. I don't. I don't. I don't. Um, and so I went to my therapy session, and I told her everything. Um, and she introduced me to kind of the world of NA at that point in time. And um, sadly, I, I relapsed on November 14th. I went to a concert um, thinking I was going to go sober. And, you know, of course, somebody hands me a bag of cocaine and I'm like, holy shit, this is what I've been missing. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up relapsing on the 14th. But the crazy thing is I... I had that kind of same interaction with myself. Like, I can't believe you relapsed. Why did you do that? And um, I didn't really have an answer I, at that time. I didn't have an answer. Um, and I had no way of, yeah, I had, I, I just didn't want to live in that life anymore. I really, I had lost the will to live as how, as I had known how. Um, and I had no other choice than to find 
some sort of sobriety. And at that time, I really wasn't thinking like, oh, you're going to be this guy that's, you know, talking about his great life after addiction on this, you know, random podcast. I didn't think I was going to be the guy that went to four to five meetings a week, you know, to have friends that are other addicts that aren't using. Um, at that point in time, I, all I all I wanted was just a break. I just wanted to, I because I couldn't do it on my own. At least I thought I couldn't. Um, I needed something. So, you know, that was a long-winded story, but it kind of takes the listener and you from from the beginning of when I first used to really the very end. And I'm sure I can get into a lot more and we'll talk about that later, but. Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, I didn't know anything about your story other than, you know, I have this history. I don't even know that you use cocaine of any form. I didn't even know that. So just thank you. I, I think it's really noble to share everything that had happened and the fact that you are still here and whether you're on the show or not, just being able to be alive today, I think it speaks volume to your character. Thank you. You know, and it's not by um, it's it's really. If I had the secret to cancel drug addiction, I would. Right. But that's that's not why I, I'm here today. You know, I'm not going to say that it's easy. It's because it's far from it um but it's it's uh you know the few little tools that were given to me at the beginning are the reason why i'm here today and the reason why i can say i'm clean and sober um and yeah yeah it's hard to believe that even sitting here now that i was that bad but i know it like because i can i can still remember those times and um kind of reliving a lot of that uh, just through like telling the story is pretty incredible. Um, so one of the biggest resources I had at the very, very beginning, um, was I come from a long line of addicts and alcoholics. Um, thankfully my, both of my parents aren't, um, and neither are any of my siblings. However, both of their parents on both sides are, um, in some form of some form of recovery or active addiction currently one i i had uh my grandma's almost 30 no i think she's 34 years clean right now as of last month and um i had nobody that i knew that was a clean and sober addict at that like in December of 2021. The only thing that I was holding on to was I feel like shit. I look like shit and I don't want to do, I I just can't, I I can't do this any longer. I don't know how to stop, but I can't do it any longer. So, you know, I, I had to relive this kind of horrible point in my life with my grandma. And she gave me a lot of support in the beginning that I didn't realize was support and here's why you know she is her story is almost identical to mine where she found drugs at a very young age and um you know went through her working life for many many more years than i did um actively using and getting worse and worse and worse um and got to a point you know when my dad was pretty young um where she couldn't go any longer where she wanted to like there was 
You, you get to a point where you can't live with or without drugs. So what do you? What is there left to do? So she offered just little tidbits of information on like you know what she does now and and how she um, maintains her sobriety and and more so was just there to say, dude, I get it. You don't have to say it again because I can look in your eyes and I know exactly what you're feeling. That's that was all I could grasp onto at that point in time where man, holy somebody else knows what I'm talking about. Like I thought I was alone. Like I thought, you know, all the other drug addicts had a perfect life, you know, and every like I kind of said earlier, every other person out there has to use drugs in some way or another because I just couldn't see a life without it. Um so my therapist in particular and my grandma introduced me to the rooms of NA, which for those who don't know is Narcotics Anonymous. Um, obviously, I'm not going to share any you know information about anybody else in the program because the reason why it's anonymous is because not you know not too many people are as open about their story as I am. But here's my take on you know being an addict and being in the world that I'm in now is that, you know, as, as much as I thought I was concealing my drug addiction and concealing, you know, the feelings I was getting, I wasn't right. It was very apparent to everybody in my life that I was a drug addict. Right. So if I was that, you know, if if I was that open about my addiction, why shouldn't I be as open about my recovery and and what has led me to today, you know, with everybody else? So everybody has their own take on on the anonymous part of NA. But for me in particular, I'm a proud member. <laughs> Did your family ever call you out on like using if they've had that experience before? Um, yeah. So I my my grandparents um so my grandparents on both sides are the people that are, you know, in either active addiction or um, in some sort of recovery. Um, my parents uh, have no history of drug abuse or, or alcohol abuse. So they didn't call me out in the way that somebody in the program would have. Um, what did happen, though, was my – so the um, – over the summer of 2021, I was, I, like I said earlier, I'd still been living at my parents' house, but I lived in their garage. <laughs> so side note, if you've ever seen the middle, there's an episode oh. in the middle where <laughs> Axel moves into the garage. And believe it or not, that was the whole idea behind me moving into the garage. Because when I came back home from college, I had no room. They're like, you know, we're going to make the garage into a room for you. Hmm. So I kind of had like, that was the ticket for me to kind of con well, at least what I thought was to kind of conceal my drug use a little bit because I had a locked door I had a private entrance. It was almost like my own little apartment in my parents' house. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I had gotten so bad over that summer of 21 where I was so obviously fucked up all the time where my, my mom sat down and she said, I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know why you're being like this, but um, I think you need to go to AA. And AA, for those of you who don't know, are, uh, is Alcoholics Anonymous. And 
I think the I look back on it now, and my instant thought when she said that was, "You have no idea what I'm going through, Mom. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> using drugs." So, <laughs> and of, of course, you know, I didn't go to AA, so I was asked to leave my house, and I kind of knew in the back of my head at that point. And this was uh, July fourth, actually, twenty twenty one. So I like at the very kind of tail end of of my addiction where it was getting really bad i got really skinny i had no will to live no like i just didn't give a fuck um they asked me to leave and i had nowhere to go so i ended up moving in with a friend and um at that point i really didn't have any communication with my immediate family because i didn't care you know in my mind I was thinking, fuck you. Like, why did you kick me out of the house? Like, I'm your son. You're supposed to take care of me. You know, you're supposed to sit there and, and, and like, you know, I'd put it in different words because us as addicts always do that. But I would think to myself, like, you have, you, you've got no idea and you're supposed to sit here and help me get through whatever I'm going through, you know, because I'm your son and you're supposed to love me like unconditionally. Um, so at that point, when they kicked me out, I was like, well, they don't care about me, so I'm not going to do anything about it. And I had really no relationship with them. Um, so I just, and it, honestly, to me, it was like, sweet, I don't even have to worry about my parents knowing. I can just use as much as I want. Um, and then obviously, you know, getting in September, October, whatever. So, yeah, they called me out, but at that point in my addiction, I didn't get, I didn't care. Um, it's tough. You know, as as I still have these arguments with my well, not arguments, but conversations with my parents today um, because they like they they don't understand it as an as an addict or from an addict's perspective. They can only see it as like a, a parent point of view. Right. And by in, in no way, shape or form am I saying that they were wrong in any way that they weren't i should have been like i I absolutely should have been kicked out Mm -hmm. i should not have been allowed to live there with my family what they don't understand and what they don't get to this day still is why didn't you stop when i kicked you out right or as a result of kicking Mm -hmm. you out and it's I, I still really can't explain it. It's other other than addicts know what I'm talking about. Like when when you're at that point in addiction where nothing matters, you're all all I need all I need is a rock of coke and maybe some water, and I'll get through the entire day. Is there anything that you wish they knew or you wish they would have done to help you in that moment? besides kicking you out or do you think being kicked out was helpful um i i don't think there's any way that they would have either helped or hurt me in that situation um that's a great point because i don't the my addiction and in my opinion and the addicts that i've talked to everybody's addiction is a result of them being addicted Mm -hmm. and not and not a result of any place, circumstance, people, anything, right? Nothing would have helped or or hurt me at that point in time. And that's okay because I it's 
it's hard to it's hard to even say you know because it's like my parents are my parents and they know me really well but they don't at the same time because it's not i the addicts know me the people out there that are using know exactly what i'm talking about where um it's it's really difficult to to put it into words where yeah i don't think it would have ever helped or hurt it's a scary thought. I mean, I'm not someone that has experienced um, that kind of addiction before. So, like, I can't relate necessarily, but I would imagine it's a really scary thought that your family, you know, supposedly one of your closest bonds can't relate to you in that moment. And and it's, it's um, honestly, it was scarier to think that after I got clean um, because – at that point in time, like it just didn't matter at all whether they cared about me or not, and I didn't care about them as much as I as I wanted to at least. Um, it was much scarier when I was left by myself, um, and that's you know I've talked a lot already about my life and addiction, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here on the on the podcast. I'm I'm here to. Um, you know, explain that there is a life afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly wasn't easy. So people always say, like, there's there's these things called speaker meetings uh, through NA or AA where they have somebody who's had, you know, lots of clean time or whatever come in, share their story with that room. And um, there's this one guy that I know in the program that always says, like, I went to this one speaker meeting and it, usually they're an hour long and he goes 55 minutes and he's not even clean yet in his story. And so there's only this like five minutes worth of recovery, which um, I want to, I can, I, I, uh, I want to be able to get that across, right? Because that's the whole point of this podcast. So I left off in the story in particular with getting clean um, and kind of getting help from my grandma, right? Um, nothing would have prepared me for the, the, honestly, the struggle and the hardship that I had after getting clean, because kind of what I alluded to before, when you get clean, you're left with all the shit. You're left with everything that you've done with some sort of clarity of, wow, like, how did I get here? Um, and life wasn't great when I first got clean it, it really wasn't I it still had like really no meat on my bones um didn't didn't have as much of a will to live but at uh, you know I had enough to realize okay this is only temporary and I can get through this but I just don't know how to get through it so I really dug deep into my therapist and kind of her holistic approach. So she's a holistic family therapist. Um, so she works with my entire family and has worked with me through, you know, both pretty much beginning of my drug addiction all the way to the very end. And um, the biggest thing that I found when I got clean was I have to, I have to figure out, what i personally need why why did i gravitate towards drugs so much and at that point in time you know i did a lot of work on you know my life before drugs 
because I never thought of myself as an addict when I was growing up. And I certainly didn't think of myself as an addict when I was using, but I knew that I was an addict after I stopped. Right. Um, and I, I really dug deep into why, like, why did I find drugs so appealing? And kind of, if, if you remember me saying like at the beginning of the story, that first high was the very, I mean, that is what I was missing. That's what I thought I was missing my entire life, right? That just overwhelming sense of joy, happiness, at least I thought, you know, surging through my body. And I, and I, the more I dug into that and that feeling in particular, the one feeling I was chasing, you know, for most of my addiction, the the reason why that was so appealing to me was because I, I had never gotten that for myself ever, you know, in any other way. I, I didn't, I, I, when I was growing up, I did things that were not what I wanted to do. You know, they were um, what I thought other people wanted me to do. And um, I had never taken the time to really sit and inventory myself and say, okay, Caleb, how do you feel right now? And what do you need to fulfill yourself? You know, to, to, to feel fulfilled. Right. Um, so after I got clean, I was left with emptiness and, um, that was kind of the, the key ingredient you know, to start this journey of healing was I had to find what filled me and and what I cared about and what I need to do now that I was using drugs to fill for so long. Um, what I, what I hope to get across to some people is that I completely understand when you're, when you're in that active addiction, when you're, you know, doing a bunch of cocaine at parties and shooting up and smoking meth. Like you, that's not your thought. Like you don't think, okay, what do I need? What do I need to do now to, to make myself feel good? But subconsciously, that's what we're doing. You know, that at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's why drugs were so appealing because that was the instant cure-all for every problem I ever had, you know? Got into a fight with my mom. Ah, shit. I feel terrible. I'm going to go smoke some crap. You know? Yeah. I, something goes wrong in my job. I don't show up to work on time. Like an hour late and I get yelled at by my boss. Ah, damn. I feel bad. Well, got to use some more. You know, it's the instant cure for everything that goes wrong in your life. So when you're left without it, you know, when you get to a point where there's there's no return, where you can't stop, where, you know, the full-blown addiction is out, there there's nothing left and and we have to figure out what to fill ourselves with because we used a substance to do that for so long um thankfully in one of the biggest moments in my recovery happened um in january of 22 which was almost a year ago or no a little over a year ago um i had covid and I had just gotten through, you know, it was a month and a half clean. Um, I just gotten through these horrible withdrawals and I hadn't like really just sucked. Right. Well, I got COVID and I felt like the worst I'd ever felt in my life. At least I thought in that moment. 
right? Like, why am I going through these withdrawals again? And I was forced to stick with myself, stay with myself for a week. And the spiritual growth that happened during that week was something that I almost can't explain because I was left with nothing but me and I had nothing but my thoughts and I had nothing but the emptiness that I had felt inside me. So I really took, you know, hours and just kind of wrote down a lot of what I um, felt like a lot of what I experienced, you know, and kind of really dug deep into why I started using drugs in the first place and why I couldn't stop. Um, and even just that, even just writing down what I felt was wrong with me gave a little bit more insight on what I need to do to fix it or, or not just to fix it, but to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can look on paper and you can see exactly what's wrong and you can almost just flip it to be the opposite, right? Well, if, like, you know, if I'm feeling um, super sad and alone right now, like, why am I feeling super sad and alone? And you can kind of flip it to be like, well, you know, it's not, it's, it's not that the fact that I'm alone, it's the fact that I just don't like who I am, you know, and I don't like where I'm going. Well, and then you can kind of take that and you can go, okay, well, if I don't like where I'm going and if I don't like who I am, then what would I like if I was the person that I like don't think I am, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, you know, that was kind of this journey that I had over that week of having COVID where it just kind of all hit me. Like, this is what, this is what I've been missing. Mm -hmm. And this is why I felt like I needed to use in the first place. Um, And again, like, you know, don't get me wrong. The, the addiction takes a hold of your mind like nothing else right it's it's it makes you think that you need it constantly and even to this day you know i'm a year and however many months clean i still get those lingering thoughts like oh man you know i've got i like i want to do a line right now the funny thing is every time i get those lingering thoughts it's because i've done like i there's there's a reason there's a cause and effect right the cause is usually stress or, um, you know, a, a large emotion, whether that's super large happiness or super large sadness or, um, you know, the the balance in my emotions is off. And what I use to balance those emotions to make me pretty much null um, was the drugs for so long. And innately, I'm still I still feel like that. Right. Um. So it's crazy, you know, it's it's crazy life we live as addicts, but the recovery happens once you start looking at yourself and um what like and, and what I need to feel fulfilled mm-hmm. in this moment of time. It makes me think and maybe you've heard this within AA or NA, like the HALT acronym, like the H A L T of like hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and those are all the reasons why we go back into addiction. Um But I think you bring up a good point, like uh, substance use can give you a sense of control. Like when you have like a lack of emotion or that joy that you were missing, having that control over those emotions so you can get it again 
is a reason why a lot of people want to use. And maybe you can speak to that. And it sounds like that was kind of your story. Yeah. You know, the, that is that, that control that I lacked mm -hmm. in my life is, um, is why it was, why I kind of subconsciously it felt so appealing to use because I can't control what that guy did to me. You know, I can't control um, what my boss says to me, but I can control going to get you like going to get drugs and using them. And I know the outcome every time. Mm -hmm. Right. I know what I'm going to feel like for that first five minutes. I know what I'm going to feel like after that first five minutes. And it's this kind of re repetitious or like, what's the word? Repetitious. Repetitious <laughs> yeah. cycle. Right. That goes you know, that I'm comfortable in and you get comfortable in that, even though it's so physically uncomfortable, mm -hmm. it's the mental comfort of, I know what's coming next. Wow. Right. And, and that's, that's why getting clean is so scary for so many addicts, myself included, where I didn't know what it was like to be clean. I, I don't know why I like, and it, you don't see that as an addict, right? You don't, you don't feel like, you're comfortable in this cycle, but that's the reason why you keep going back. You know, it's, it's something I know. And I, and the unknown is very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And why would I be uncomfortable if I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing right now? You know, subconsciously. Yeah. It's habitual. And we always mm -hmm. talk about this within just the world of counseling itself. Like if someone has anxiety and their coping skill, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's, I don't know, overthinking or, you know, something like that, whatever their coping skill is, we wouldn't take away the coping skill because that's the only thing they know in that moment. Um, mm. It's familiar. Like you said, it's safe, it's predictable. And why would we give up that for someone if it's going to cause them more harm? Um, so I think what you, you're, you're totally on the money. <laughs> like we can't just take away this um, addiction that you have. We can't just say, okay, stop doing this. It's bad yeah. for you. Because yep. it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's and the, that was a, a point I did want to bring up eventually. Like, you know, we call the people that don't use, at least in the program, the people who don't have drug addictions normies. Right. And normies are not normal people in my eyes. Right. They're a little crazy because they get through life. They, they get through life just fine. And they don't have to rely on something else to get up and go. Um, and it's uh, for, for, for somebody who has never done it before, it's just, you, you don't, you, you don't, you just don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what was I trying to touch on there? I totally lost my train of thought, which is also a side effect of using a lot of drugs. I have memory problems that it's really bad, but, um, the normie. I'm a normie. <laughs> You are a normie. Yeah, because, well, and there's just, it's 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 so true. Like, right. I can't sit here and be like, I know exactly what you're going through because I don't. And I can't pretend to be like that either. Um, mm -hmm. So I think calling calling me a normie, that's fine too. Like, it's different and that's people. fine. <laughs> right. Um, I think what I was wanting to touch on earlier with normies is that, yeah, you can't, what you said is, is you can't just take it away, right? You You can't. Tell an addict, listen, you're going to stop. You're going to not use today and mm -hmm. you're going to not use tomorrow. You know, you're not going to use in a week. You can't tell, you can't say that to an addict. Ultimately, at the end of the day, if an addict is going to get clean, 
it has to be it has to be because they see the benefit of being clean themselves and that you know i want to eventually get into um either addiction counseling or or and some sort of addiction treatment because i think that's where a lot of treatment centers kind of fail is the fact that they have all these like licensed people in there that are like why don't you just stop like you can't you just don't use and your life will be fine. Well, it's not that simple, right? You can't just not use because it's like somebody else is telling you to not use, you know, as an addict, I had to see the utter despair and horror that my life had become because of this extensive drug use to even want a different life. Right. To even consider that there's a different life out there, not just to stop. Like at that point in time, you know, there was there was a period of time where I knew I was an addict and I knew that I needed help and I knew that I stopped, but I just didn't. And I just couldn't. Because. I didn't have the means to. Um, you can't. And, and I know we touched on this with my parents earlier, like I said my parents couldn't have done anything to help or not help me in that situation um, because it, I wasn't at that point where I had seen the, the total depravity of what my life had become from drugs. And I didn't get to the point where I need, I need help. And once an addict says, I need help, then somebody can step in and say, Oh, you need help? Great. I've been right where you're at. And I know how I got through it. You know, care to join me in a conversation. And, you know, I, I truly believe addicts don't stop just, you know, like, I, how do I want to put this? Like, I don't think I stopped because of any other outside influence. I didn't actually know that to be a fact for some reason, for some unknown reason that I don't know what it is, but I, I mentally got to the point where I couldn't live with or without drugs. And I got to that point of no return where I told myself, what is there left to do? Cause I can't do this anymore. Um, I can either go on as best as I can as what I've been doing over the last, you know, two years to eventually end up in jails, institutions, or death, ultimately. Or I can even consider another way that, like, there's another way to live. And that other way to live came after I had gotten to that point of no return. So for, like, you know, anybody, any loved ones or any person out there that has an addict in or, or has an addict in active addiction that they know or care about you know it's you can't uh, as, as much as it sucks you, you can't tell them to stop no. you can but you can't expect that they're going to do anything you can show them the ways that they can get help you can show them you know hey i'm here when you when you need me but ultimately it's up to them and it's up to them wanting the help. It seems um, like a very hands-off approach. Like, on okay, being a normie in my perspective, um, <laughs> I, 
Well, and I guess also because um, at my job right now, we have uh, clients with like co-occurring diagnoses. So they have a mental health diagnosis, but then also substance use, um, current or recovering. And I'm on the mental health side, but obviously they kind of intersect Outside. all the time. Yep. They have to. Um, yep. But yeah, I what would you recommend like be an approach obviously not to fix them because that's never the reason um but is there anything that us normies i guess can say or do other than just like hey like good luck here's some resources i'm here if you need me honestly as rough it as is it as it is to say a normal person in my eyes would have never been able to help me okay i i truly believe that people who don't understand the depravity of where I was as an addict will will be able to offer insight but never truly find real help um, which as you know my recommendation and what I hope to give you know in the future is the the point of contact for a person who doesn't know how to handle um, somebody with a drug addiction or or has you know they they're so fed up with them and they can't do anything else about it that they just need somebody who understands you know something as simple as me just or or not me in particular but as an addict talking to another addict is all the difference mm-hmm. you know as a normie and as somebody <laughs> who's never you know had any kind of trouble with addiction there's there's the therapeutic value of one addict helping another because yeah. nobody else can get it, right? Um, I feel like I keep saying that over and over, but it's like true, you know? <laughs> I don't mean to be rude or anything. Like it's not it's rude or <laughs> – but it's just – it's the it's the sad truth, to be honest. And that's why programs such as NA and AA – work right Mm -hmm. because none of those people are there or in there because they're licensed therapists or people that have all these medical degrees and you know they run treatment centers um they're there because they have their same issues too and they need the support of other addicts and and the reason why it works the reason why people stick around and that na and aa are all things today is because there is something unspoken about an addict helping another addict or an alcoholic helping another alcoholic. Like one where like you, you can, as a normie, you can tell me all you want about <laughs> what you think I should do. But at the end of the day, you have no fucking clue. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so true though. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I'm like, I don't know if I ever like would want to specifically, uh, specifically get into the world of substance use and get credentialed for that. Because like you're saying, like, it's not my place. Like, I can show up and learn all the counseling skills that I can, but at the end of the day, it's like, how can I sit in that person's shoes? Like, how can I walk the walk with them when I've never done it myself? So, I don't know. I, I, I like your perspective. It's it's good to hear that. I guess it's validating for me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm. I tend to be a pretty uh, bold person when it comes to my um, addiction and and thoughts mm-hmm. and about it, right? Because, um. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just a bold person in particular. 
I that's why I feel so strongly about wanting to be in that kind of atmosphere is because I I fuck man I get it I know what you're talking about man I've been right there with you and I can share that exact same story of how I got to be where I am today and that you know somebody with an addiction as bad as my what uh, as mine you know where I'm getting up in the morning blowing literal chunks of my nose out of my head and my lips are peeling and I can peel off the inside of my cheeks and my teeth are cracked and you name it. Like everything that goes with being a drug addict, I had Mm -hmm. to, to sitting here today, being able to say that, right. That there is a way that there is, there are people that get it and that know how to help. Um, and not only that, but like, I think one of the biggest therapeutic values I've had from having all these conversations with addicts and, and being in a program such as NA is that they're the only people that are able to fulfill what drugs couldn't, right? I was using drugs for so long because there was something in me that I couldn't fill, And then that led into, you know, not being able to stop even if I wanted to. So these people that have been there have found other ways to fill that void that drugs couldn't Mm -hmm. uh, or that I was using drugs to try to fill. That's where, you know, I I mean, simple abstinence is, is not the answer, right? Because eventually with no tools, with, with nothing under my belt, I'm always going to resort back to the the one thing that i felt was the most effective yep it's um, familiar <laughs> yeah it's super it really is it's the most familiar thing to me um you know i had a conversation with somebody um not like a few nights ago about are you ever going to not call yourself an addict <laughs> <laughs> and um and i very blatantly said no like i'm always i'm always going to be an addict Right. The reason Mike fell. The reason for that is because if I don't continue to fill myself in the way that I use drugs to fill me, then I will eventually go back to where I was every single time. I did that, you know, and after that first year, you know, I tried simple abstinence. I did. I, I, I tried to get another job to, to move, you know, into a better environment. And yeah, it worked for a little bit of time, but then as soon as I got the itch again, as soon as I, as life got hard, that was ultimately what my mind went right back to Mm -hmm. because you hardwire your brain to think about one thing only, which is, man, I want to get fucking high. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, um, I will never, ever be able to say that I'm not an addict because I'm just I, – I, I used this analogy when I was talking to that person in particular where if you think about it like a cucumber. You got a cucumber and uh, you put it in a jar full of pickling juice and it becomes a pickle. You can never turn it back into a cucumber. It's just not possible, Right. It will continue to be a pickle until it withers and dies. That is how I feel like drugs made me. You know, I was this innocent little kid 
with all the dreams in the world, an addictive personality, got introduced to drugs, became a drug addict, and will never forget how drugs made me feel in the beginning. That will never be something that I can just say, oh, yeah, like, I, man, I don't know how that feels. Because it, always, it's, it just completely pickled my brain, basically, right? <laughs> I, I became somebody that I am proud to be today because I can, I have so many more tools and resources that I didn't feel like if I didn't have a drug addiction would have right now. Um, but also the like idea of, you know, it's okay. It's, it's completely okay to say like, Hey, I've got a problem with drugs Mm -hmm. because you know what? So do a whole lot of other people out there and a whole lot of other people have found that that the will to live and the tools needed in order to survive. Oh. I'm hearing um, a lot of gratitude um, in your voice and just kind of what you're saying, because I think, yes, there is this like continue this label of like, I'm an addict and it's helpful, but also it seems like it's something that's really giving you purpose that maybe you didn't have before. 100%. Absolutely, man. Like, I I am an addict before anything else, and I'm proud to say that mm-hmm. because I the yeah the gratitude that I have for the things that I have today wouldn't be here without my drug addiction, and um, that's why I introduced myself as a drug addict mm-hmm. in recovery, right? <laughs> because once a drug addict, always a drug addict. And um, if you don't believe me, talk to somebody who's been clean or sober for 50 years and gone back out and tried to use like a normal person. They just can't. There's no way. They're a pickle. They just always resort back to, holy shit, this is the best feeling in the world, and I'm going to continue using. There is an immense amount of gratitude that I have uh, for the life I live today, the people that I know, and the other addicts that have been there through the good and the bad times to pick me up and to give me the tools needed to to say I've made it clean for a year and three months. Mm-hmm. Shoot, if you talked to me a weekend, <laughs> I would have looked at you like you were crazy. There is no way in hell I'm going to make it through a year. Dude, I can't even make it through today without using, you know? And it's as simple as – it's. I mean, it's not simple. I, I shouldn't say it like that. There were very – I mean, so many moments in those first few months where I just had to take it minute by minute, second by second, where I had to, I got the overwhelming urge to go use. Like I usually, the cause and effect, I'd get something super shitty would happen. You know, I'd feel shitty. And then there it is, you know, the, the devil on your shoulder, the pickled brain, like whatever you want to call it, it's there telling you, Hey man, I got your, I got I got what you need. I know what you need. You need to go get high. You like you're gonna forget all about this. And I to the addicts listening, like I know that feeling. Holy cow, don't get me wrong. That is the when it just completely takes over your body where all you can think of is man, I just gotta run away from this feeling. I mean, there were so many days where I just literally had to sit there for a minute, close my eyes, and I just had to breathe. Like, I couldn't even think about anything else. I couldn't think about recovery. I couldn't think about calling anybody. I just had to get it through. I had to get through this minute. I have to get through this minute. And I can kind of conceptualize not using for one minute. 
and then you know 60 minutes go by and then i don't use for an hour and then after i go through an hour it's like i can kind of conceptualize you know i was able to do that for an hour i might be able to do this for another hour mm-hmm. and you know slowly but surely it like the time kind of ticks away it's it just happens you know a um i don't know how the old saying goes but it's something along the lines of like if you don't have anything to do you're going to get in trouble right there's some clever old <laughs> wise tale that says that but yeah some white woman yeah <laughs> <laughs> some normie out there said it yeah um go read a book right you know anyway so what truly got me through the very beginning was i had to continuously do something i mean it didn't even have to be something that i liked i mean i i hate writing i hate writing i am like i have bad handwriting i just have never been a writer but i had to do something in those times. And that is, you know, for somebody in the very, very beginning, if you have nobody to attach on to, if you have nobody to talk to, talk to yourself because that's where we find our answers, right? If I can just, I mean, there, I have notebooks of notes of me just saying like, God, this fucking sucks. I hate this. I don't want to live anymore. I, you know, I, 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 right. And I like go through sheets and sheets of paper, just writing my thoughts. And then eventually it's like, oh, wow. You know, an hour went by. It wasn't the most productive time, but I didn't use, you know, and I didn't, I I didn't contact my dealer. I didn't, you know, call somebody that I didn't need to. And then after that, kind of like first little bit goes by it's like, okay, I don't have to write out all my thoughts now. Now I can like get up and, and go outside. I can take a walk, you know. I can um, listen to a podcast. I can listen to music. It, you know, I can play music. Thankfully, I have a background in playing and performing. So that was a huge crutch for me in the beginning was just giving my mind and my hands something to do. Yeah, it's, it's so in the very, very beginning – for me, I had to always do something from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to bed. Mm-hmm. Because before, I was always doing something and my mind was always racing, but it it was drugs, right? So, you know, after I got through that little bit of insanity of of constantly doing something all the time, your body kind of takes a chill pill for a little bit. And it's like, okay, I can now... Think about what I need to fulfill my desire, if you call it that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm i tired, so I need to get some sleep, right? I'm hungry, so I need to eat. I am restless, so I need to do something. I, my, I'm starting to, you know, get real fidgety, so I have to do something with my hands. Like, little things like that you pick up. Um. Where to, you know, fast forward a few months or a year later, like today I can wake up, I can know what I need to do for the day, I can do what I need to do for the day, and then at the end of the day I can take my inventory. I can say, all right, what happened to me today? Why do I feel like I am right now? And what do I need? Mm -hmm. Right. And eventually you get to a point where 
that overwhelming feeling of I need to go use, I need to um, do something to run away from this feeling, it's a little bit lessened. And the ultimate, you know, step to healing, in my opinion, is eventually living with that, right? Mm -hmm. I can be okay with feeling sad. And I can feel sad, because I didn't feel sad for so long. You know, I can, I could be okay with being alone, because I wasn't alone for so long, right? And true recovery is when we get to that point of saying, you know, I, I am, I am content with where I'm at. I don't feel like I need to continue doing something. I don't need to, I'm restless, but I can be restless and not use, you know, I, I can be alone and not be sad, you know, or I can be alone and be sad. That's all, you know, it's all these emotions that we get to feel now because the, the spectrum of emotion when you're using drugs is so widely out of proportion, right? You go from that first hit, the super spiked up high, that's, I am on top of this world. You know, I can do anything. I feel like Superman, like, mm -hmm. you know, I am the best person in the world to immediately falling down to the lowest low. Like, Oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. I can't believe I did that again. This is why can't I stop? Oh, I know how to get better. Oh, let me just use again. I go right back up in this like spike, you know, crazy, just world of emotions is something you can't deal with. Eventually, after a little bit of clean time, those emotions kind of ride out a little bit, right? And and we learn to to live with emotions the way they are. Yeah. And finding uh, radical acceptance, I would imagine, too, with being okay to have multiple emotions at a time, to have multiple good and bad things happening in our life mm -hmm. at a time, and just accepting the things that we can't change. Mm -hmm. huh, you almost that's the serenity <laughs> prayer, which yeah. is one of my biggest things that I say all I mean I, I tell it to myself at least five times a day. God grant me the uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And let me tell you the in the very beginning I was like, that's some fucking bullshit. What are these people saying? Right? This is this is stupid. But the more you say it, the more you feel it. Right. And the more your body and, you know, your higher power, who I call, it, call to choose God, um, or I choose to call God, there we go, um, you know, eventually gives this little bit of serenity where I can accept that I can't change the situation. Mm -hmm. And I now know the only thing I can change is the way I react to it or the way I deal with it. Right. Um, the last piece of that serenity prayer, which is, you know, and the wisdom to know the difference is one of the most important in my opinion, right? Because when you are in active addiction, there's no difference between what you can and can't change. In my mind, I could change everything, but also I couldn't, mm -hmm. you know, and it just gets so skewed with like, you know, I, I can change the way that person thinks about me by doing something differently. You know, I can, I can change the, like, I can change how I feel right now by using, you know, I can change um, how I react to situations by making people do things for me. And, and, you know, I can go on and on and on about that. 
Um, the only way I've found serenity, though, with myself is is coming to accept the things that I've done and accept who I am, right? Mm-hmm. I can sit here proudly and say that I am an addict, right? I, I can sit here and share my story with somebody that I barely know <laughs> and say that I'm an addict, yeah. you know, because it took a lot of time alone, a lot of time writing, and a lot of time with other addicts who have been there in order for me to accept the fact that I am an addict and that I won't change. Like mm-hmm. I, like the chemical imbalance that I have now because of all the drug use, I really won't be able to change. And I won't change the fact that I can, can't use or drink like a normal person. Um, the moment I think I can, I have lost my serenity mm-hmm. because, because I never was, I never was able to, you know, I, I so uh, when I had that conversation with somebody the other night about, um, you know, why, why do you call yourself an addict? Like you're willing it to be right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're manifesting yourself as an addict. Well, not really because I already am one, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not a matter of manifesting, you know, my my past yeah. because I am so clearly an addict and I and I acted like one, I used like one, but I, I can manifest what I do about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I know that I can't change myself. I, I know that I'll never be able to use like a normal person, but mm-hmm. I can accept that. Yeah. And I think just hearing your story, um, I think there's a lot of similarities and it sounds like you have a holistic therapist yourself, but there's a lot of similarities with the holistic approach. And I think as a recovering addict, um, I'm see or I guess I'm hearing the fact that, you know, we want this instant gratification when we want the drugs, when we want anything in our life. Um, and that's kind of just the culture, Western culture in general, just give me, give me, give me right. Amazon prime. You can get it in a day and it's here in a moment. Which is um, amazing, by the way. Right. I'm not going to, yeah, I like Amazon, so I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, but I think we live in this culture where it's just like, give me stuff now. We need this now. But the holistic approach kind of undermines that. And so does recovering from addiction. Like you're moving away from I need something now to I'm okay without it now. And finding actually a root cause of what's actually this behavior and where is it stemming from and what's the need, like you were saying. Bingo. That's it. Right yeah. there, man. That's that's totally it, right? The instant gratification of of using drugs was uh, overwhelming, and it took over my entire life, right? So, um, learning how to be okay with who, with what I'm doing, where I'm at right now, is the key, right? And it's um, knowing that I can't physically change everything in my life; I can only change how I react to it. Mm-hmm. Is one of the biggest pieces of serenity right and and finding um a little bit of comfort in your life right and the the root cause you know is like it's what you were saying earlier it's called right you know there's always these um there's always an underlying factor a cause and effect right the cause i gotta figure out why i'm feeling the way i do and why i reacted the way i did you know, in order to have some level of change mm-hmm. in, in the future. And having um, modern medicine too, just kind of a tangent away a little from addiction, like modern medicine, like we just suppress our symptoms with 
medicine and medications, which is totally fine, right? If you take medications, but at mm. some point it's like, where are the symptoms coming from? And same thing with your addiction. Like, why is this addiction showing up? Why is this behavior showing up? It's something deeper and I haven't addressed it yet. Yep. You know, I, I like to say that, um, obviously like cocaine and crack cocaine were the things that brought me to my knees. That was the the final straw, but I am absolutely addicted to everything I haven't tried yet. <laughs> I have like eight months into my clean time. I'd gotten through the the beginning of you know those um, kind of overwhelming urges, but I my sister had surgery and they prescribed her like oxys or oxycodone for her pain. I'd never, I was never a pill popper. I never did any kind of pills, never, you know, never had the access to it. Right. But I came home to see her from her surgery and she's like sitting on the couch, all drugged up. (laughs) And I looked at her drugged up and I saw the oxys right next to her and had the overwhelming urge to be like, holy shit, I need to go do some, whatever she's got. Right. And, um, I, I mean, immediately, almost immediately I had to sit back and like, take my inventory. Why am I feeling like this? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I had a really shitty day at work and I had so much going on and all I want to do is just a de-stress and unload, you know? Oh, well, there's my, you know, root cause. And, um, the effect instantly goes to suppressing that feeling, you know, instantly goes to, oh, what can I do to make me feel different than the way that I do right now? Mm-hmm. And absolutely, drugs were the easiest way to do that. And they were any- familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at that. You know, we're just going around all the way around to the beginning here. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get substance use now. I'm just kidding. Right? Can I not be a normie anymore? <laughs> oh God, you might have to have a couple years of addiction for that to happen. But <laughs> yeah. hey, I'm here for you if you ever need it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Now I know someone. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, just to kind of close out, kind of wrap up, is there anything that you want to say, kind of final words or recommendations to the listeners today? Man, there's so many things that I could say, but <laughs> um, to the person struggling, right? That's that's the whole goal of, of um, an addict in recovery is to eventually help the person that still struggles. Um so the person that still is struggling out there, there is life without drugs. It's hard to see it, and it's hard to feel it and know it. But other people have done it, and if you want the life that is without drugs, find somebody that's found it. Because everybody's got their own story. Everybody's got their own way of getting to the serenity that we now feel as drug addicts in recovery um and but everybody's been in that same spot um you're not alone you know you don't the it's the person struggling you know i i i know better than most people that that feeling of putting a gun to your head you know wanting to just end it all because you don't see any way out that's the moment that every addict in recovery lives to help somebody through and it's, you know, it can be as simple as just calling somebody and not even talking about what you're feeling, but just talking to somebody, you mm-hmm. know, is, is key. Um, and the, the, yes, 
my closing arguments here. Um, it, there's only re- true recovery if you want true recovery. Simple abstinence is not the answer because like we kind of discussed earlier, simple abstinence doesn't work. You know, you're, you're not, um, you're not paying attention to what you need. You know, you're not paying attention to why I was using drugs in the first place. Um, you know, it's do what you can in the beginning to get out of it and find as quickly as you can somebody who knows where you've been. And, um, you know, I, I, to everybody out there struggling still, I, as an addict, I mean, I love each and every one of you because it's not an easy life to live, but it's one that we don't know how to live without. And, um, I'm thankful for everybody in my life that has played a part in me being here today. Well, thank you for <laughs> thank you for being on the show and Absolutely. thanks for sharing your story. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure. Um yeah, such a pleasure. <laughs> it's been it's been great. And I hope I help somebody out there at some point. <laughs> uh, through my long winded stories and journeys and stuff. All very interesting though. I learned a lot as well, so thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you to all the listeners today tuning in and listening. If you are interested in following along or subscribing, um, I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple. I'm on Google Podcasts. Uh, my Instagram is at holistic underscore healing LC or reach out to my Gmail. Um, I do wellness sessions if you're interested. I do tarot readings. Um, if you just want to be a guest on the show, feel free to come on. I'd love to hear your story, whether you're an expert in your field or just have uh, healing experience and just want to talk about it and have a space to do so. Um, so thanks. Thank you again for being on. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.